Hi friend, if you love the information you hear in the podcast, then you will love the free mini series of videos that I've put together just for you. It's all about the biblical blueprint for health and teaches you exact principles I've taught to thousands of Christian women that result in weight loss, better sleep, increased energy, clearer skin, and sharper brains. You can go to thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries to grab this free set of short, powerful teachings that will show you how to create better health God's way. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries. Go check it out now. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hi, friend. Welcome back to the club. I'm so happy to have you here today. I want to bring you in to the world of the ancient oils of scripture. I have this set of essential oils with some of the most commonly used and prized oils that would have been utilized regularly during biblical times. One thing I really like to do during Lent, this time leading up to Easter, is to reimmerse myself in learning about and using these particular oils. It makes me feel more connected to God's provision and overall just helps me be more spiritually intentional during the Lenten season. So often I'm talking about God's provision in terms of real food, these beautiful life-giving foods he has provided to us in nature. Real food is the best medicine to keep us healthy but when Bible people needed actual medicine, it's not like they popped into their local CVS, you know, or pharmacy to pick up their pain medication or antibiotics or whatever. Nature was their pharmacy. It was growing all around them. I love this verse from Ezekiel 47, 12. It says, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Isn't that just so peaceful and lovely? <laughs> the creator of our bodies made the perfect things for our bodies, foods and medicines. It's not like after creation, he was like, dang, I forgot to make antiseptic. He knew everything we would need to stay healthy and whole. And I think in modern times, we are disconnected from that. We want the quickest and easiest solution, whether it's grabbing a bag of chips when we're hungry or popping a pill when we have a headache. And those things are not without consequences. Part of what I want to accomplish each week with you here is just to have you pause and consider God's holy provision for our holy temples. Are you opening your hands to receive that? A lot of people pray for healing, 
when they're not even using the tools God has already provided. But Bible people, they had to. They had no other choice. They knew how to utilize God's gifts. So what I want to share with you today um, are some of the compounds that they would have used and what they would have used them for. There's this awesome book called Healing Oils of the Bible that takes a deep dive into this. And I get a lot of my information out of that. I'll link to it in the show notes in case you're interested in getting it. If you are an essential oils enthusiast or are at all interested in biblical oils, you will love this book. One thing right off the bat that I love is how the author connects God's word, like his literal words that created the earth in Genesis, with the healing energy in these plants. He describes it as the plants holding the word of God within them and having this ability to go into the body and target the places that need the most healing. Like it's God's word going directly into your body and infusing your cells. And I just think that is the most incredible way to think about it. Now, there are 33 species of either essential oils, aromatic plants, um, trees mentioned in the Bible. And there are over 1,000 references to them in some form. Their use would have been very common to people at the time. So I've got my beautiful set here. They're all, they have these gold labels on them and they come in this um, special kit. Um, and it's actually called Ancient Oils of Scripture. And it starts, um, it, I mean, it has 10 oils in the set. So, um, so let's just start. We're going to start with a bang, frankincense. It's one of the most popular oils. I am diffusing it right now as we are doing this podcast. Most of us have heard of frankincense, right? It was one of the gifts given to Jesus um, by one of the wise men. What was given to Jesus was likely a resin. It was probably not an essential oil as we know it today, but nonetheless, it was considered very valuable. Frankincense was not only used as a holy anointing oil, it was known as kind of a cure-all. There's an old Egyptian saying that said, frankincense was good for everything from a broken head to gout, which for us kind of translates from head to toe. And so that's kind of what is said about frankincense. It's good for everything from head to toe. In modern times, it's considered helpful for cuts, bruises, colds, skin, focus and mental clarity, headaches, depression, cancer, allergies, bronchitis, and so much more. There's this underlying sense of when in doubt, use frankincense. And if you could only get one of the biblical oils, I would get this one. I personally love to diffuse it during my morning routine of devotionals and prayers. It's like coffee, Jesus, and frankincense. I think I should probably make that a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> but it's just a really, just a beautiful way to start the morning. And you can diffuse it, which sometimes I do, or I'll just open the bottle and inhale it. And just immediately, I just feel more connected to what I'm about to do um, with my prayers and devotionals in the morning. Okay. Number two are the aloes. It's the little vial of aloes. And this aloe is from the sandalwood tree um, and not an aloe vera plant like we would think. Um, here is a verse from John 19, 38 and 39. It says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. 
Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came out and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. So there is a scripture there that mentions the myrrh, which we'll talk about later, and aloes. But what I wanted to point out about this is that 75 pounds of aloes and myrrh would be worth like $150,000 or $200,000 in today's market. It just goes to show how valuable these were. And it's just evidence of the reverence um, that they had um, for the use of these oils at the time. Ancient uses of aloe included embalming, but it was also <laughs> considered an aphrodisiac. So that's kind of an interesting dual ability there, embalming and aphrodisiac. Um, it was also used to enhance meditation. Modern uses of aloe include things like enhancing deep sleep. It is said to stimulate the um, release of melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. It can support female reproductive and endocrine systems. It can help urinary tract infections. And finally, it can be helpful in carrying oxygen to the cells. Okie doke. So number three is cedar wood. And this is another one that is good for promoting sleep. It's included in the ancient oil set, but it's also very popular as a standalone oil as a sleep aid. It's one that I have by my bedside, um, and I diffuse it regularly along with lavender. I kind of put those together um, for promoting a good night's sleep. I have my diffuser. Well, I have them kind of all through the house, but I have one right by my bed, um, and I have all these oils, and it's like kind of being a little chemist in the evenings, picking which ones I want to put together. But cedarwood and lavender happens quite often. The Egyptians used cedar wood over 5,000 years ago. They used it as a disinfectant and um, for other medicinal purposes, like embalming, again, and in rituals. In Leviticus 14, there is a cleansing ritual for leprosy where cedar wood and, and hyssop, which we'll learn about later, are applied to the tip of the right ear, the right thumb, and the right toe. Now, this is interesting because in reflexology, the tip of the right ear is known to be the place where one releases and resolves emotions um, dealing with parents, emotional issues with parents. The thumb and the big toe are points for clearing fears and releasing mental blocks. And the big toe is an, also a point for clearing addictions and compulsive behavior. So if you have parent issues, fears, mental blocks, addictions, compulsive behavior, or you can't sleep, Cedarwood is your oil. Maybe we should just all bathe in it. <laughs> um, cedarwood is also um, good as an insect repellent. So it's got a lot of good uses. All right, the next one in the set is cypress. It is another wood-based oil included um, in this set. Now, most biblical references are to the actual wood and not an oil. We know that the ark was made of cypress. But the oil from cypress um, branches were known to be helpful for things like um, arthritis, laryngitis, um, reducing scar tissue, and cramps. Modern uses include supporting the immune and cardiovascular system. It promotes the production of white blood cells. Um, on an emotional level, it can help ease feelings of weight of loss and promote feelings of security and grounding. 
It's also said to be good for women during menstruation and menopause. Okay, the next oil here is cassia. I love to say that, cassia. Cassia, okay. Cassia is in the cinnamon family, and when you open it up and give it a little smell, it just it smells strongly of cinnamon. It is part of the holy anointing oil recipe that God gives to Moses in Exodus 30. In fact, when I do classes teaching about the ancient oils of scripture, like I did last week at my church, I usually start the presentation having each person turn and anoint their neighbor using the holy anointing oil. I made a little batch of it and I put it in a vial with a roller ball. So um, each person just turns to the other and they can easily just anoint each other's head. We do a little cross um, and we say, you know, in the name of the Father, um, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it's just a really lovely way um, to start that presentation. It just sets the tone for how valuable these oils were in biblical times. The anointing oil would have been effective for fighting bacteria and viruses. And so it would have helped protect the Israelites from disease. So it can do the same for us for, um, by supporting our immune system against cold and flu. Okay, the next oil in here, this is kind of probably the least, I don't know, familiar, well-known. I'm not even sure I'm going to pronounce it right. It's called, I'm going to spell it for you first, O-N-Y-C-H-A. Probably would have been a good thing to look up to be able to say it correctly for you, but I did not. So I'm going to say it's on Oncha. Oncha. Please correct me if you know how to say this um, better. It is the thickest of all the oils. Like you have to have patience waiting for it to drip out of the bottle. You turn it over and it's, you know, like, you're just kind of waiting. It's just so thick. Um, it has a faint scent of vanilla, which is really nice. And it was often used in perfumes. It's mentioned in Exodus 30, 34, when the Lord says to Moses, take fragrant spices, gum resin, ancha, and galbanum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. So that's from um, Exodus. Um, so Ancha was uh, valued for its ability to speed healing of wounds and prevent infection. Um, we know now that it can be helpful for digestive issues, controlling blood sugar. When inhaled, it could help ease symptoms of sinus, bronchitis, colds, coughs, and sore throats. Alrighty, the next oil is myrtle. Myrtle would have been included in religious ceremonies for purification. Um, it's good for respiratory issues, so think cold and flu season and things like bronchitis, sinus, asthma, um, and it's also known to be good as a general hormonal balancer. Okay, number eight. We're just moving right along here. Um, number eight is the Rose of Sharon. It does not come from like the common rose plant that we think of. Uh, the oil comes from the rock rose. And I have to tell you, it smells super sweet, like almost sickeningly sweet, but I guess that's subjective and depends on the smeller. Um, you know, one thing that's said in, essential, in the essential oil world is that those oils that you need will appeal to you, 
Um, and I do believe that God created our bodies with the innate wisdom for healing. So it wouldn't surprise me if someone were to be attracted to certain scents based on their body's needs. Um, I think my body is telling me I don't need Rose of Sharon. <laughs> it's just so sweet smelling to me. Um, but it was useful in biblical times. Um, ancient shepherds noticed that the resin, um, which was kind of gummy, it's kind of a gummy substance, helped heal cuts and wounds on their sheep and goats. Um, and so um, that was really helpful for them. Rose of Sharon is now valued for the way it can aid in cell regeneration, enhance the immune system, and it's also said to elevate mood. All right, number nine in this set is hyssop. And it's cool because it's noted at two really important times in the Bible. We see it as the Israelites prepare for Passover. So um, in Exodus 12, 21 and 22, it says, Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. So the Israelites used the hyssop branches to apply the blood over their doors so that the angel of death would pass over their homes. That's how they got the term Passover. And then we see hyssop branches being um, showing up and being lifted up again during the crucifixion. So in John 19, 28 through 30, it says, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his, his spirit. Oh, that just makes me like, woo. I take a deep breath after that one, but um, you can see um, one reason I just really love to revisit these oils during Lent. It's so timely during this Lenten season as we approach Easter, you know, it's so timely during this season of Passover um, and Easter. And so hyssop is a really important one. There's that parallel in scripture um, where it's present in both places. Now, ancient Hebrews believed the scent of hyssop would repel evil spirits. It was also considered to be spiritually purifying and helpful in cleansing from immoral and evil thoughts or bad habits. It's also good for respiratory relief. It can be effective used in a salve to rub on the chest for colds and bronchitis. Um, you would definitely want to use a carrier oil with that. I've made my own kind of healthier version of Vicks Vapor Rub, you know, using hyssop and coconut oil and rubbed it on my, um, on my kid's chest to inhale, you know, like a, as it helped decongest them. Um, I love this verse about hyssop in Psalm 51, seven, it says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. That's just really pretty. Okay. We are at the final oil, number 10, and a big daddy when it comes to ancient oils of scripture. 
it is the most frequently referenced oil in the Bible. It's mentioned 156 times. It is the first one to be mentioned and the last one to be mentioned. It is one of the first and last offered to Christ at his birth and on the cross. It's myrrh. And I have to tell y'all, the first time <laughs> I cracked open my bottle of myrrh and kind of dabbed it on and released the scent um, in the air, my husband told me I smelled like a Western wear store. So if you like the smell of leather and straw, you will like myrrh. Um, now myrrh is very versatile, which is one of the reasons it's so valued. It's antiseptic, it supports the immune system, helps relax and manage stress, it elevates mood, soothes skin, oxygenates body tissues, and promotes feelings of security and well-being. The Egyptians relied on myrrh as an insect repellent. And if you've ever seen pictures of Egyptians with those big cones on their head, those were actually lumps of animal fat mixed with myrrh and sometimes other oils. And during the heat of the day, that would slowly melt, that fat would melt and run down their skin. And it acted as a moisturizer and insect repellent. And that, that sounds so it's like gross and brilliant all at the same time. Um, but we hear about myrrh several times in Genesis, um, once when Jacob is instructing his sons to put together kind of like this little gift basket. Genesis 43, 11 says, then their father Israel said to them, if it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. And do y'all know what I'm what's going on in this verse? This is um, the man he's talking about is his son Joseph in Egypt, but they don't know that it's Joseph. The brothers don't know it's Joseph they're talking to. So anyway, okay. So Jacob is telling his sons um, to make this gift basket and he wants it to include a little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. I'm like, that sounds like a nice gift basket, right? I'd love to get that. I'd love to get those ingredients, little snacks and some oil. Sounds good to me. Um, in the book of Esther, we see that myrrh was used as part of a beautifying treatment. So in Esther 12, 212, it says, before a young woman's turn came to go into King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women, six months with oil of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics. Can you imagine 12 months of beauty treatments? I'd say sign me up, except I know these women were being all gussied up only to end up as concubines. So, you know, that's not really a good trade-off. Um, okay, so like I mentioned earlier, myrrh was associated with the birth and death of Jesus. Most of us are familiar with the fact that it was a gift offered by one of the wise, man, wise men. Um, and it was so good for so many things, kind of like frankincense. It would have been very handy to have around. So speaking of birth and having babies, myrrh was known to be rubbed on the umbilical cord of a newborn child to prevent infection and facilitate healing. And folk wisdom said that the smell of myrrh on a nursing mother promoted spiritual and emotional feelings of peace for both her and the baby. And since we know that the smells are stored in the memory receptors of the brain, this would be a smell that could help trigger these feelings of peace later in life. It's much like 
in the same way we might associate some smells of childhood, like chocolate chip cookies baking in the oven. You know, we can smell that in our adult lives, but immediately be taken back to our grandmother's kitchen, um, something like that. So smells are very powerful and can trigger memories and emotions. Also, pregnant women um, at the time would have known to rub it on their abdomens to help prevent stretch marks in the dry skin that comes with pregnancy. So myrrh, you are a pretty good oil. Okay, so myrrh was also present at the crucifixion. Um, it's referred to in Mark 15, 22 through 24. It says, they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. So you can see that these oils were present at um, some pretty significant times um, during the birth and the death of Jesus um, in the Bible. Again, the first and the last to be mentioned. Um, so that is basically, y'all, that's all 10 oils. That went so fast. Um, those are the oils of the ancient, of the scripture oils. But, you know, there are more, of course. Spike Nerd um, is not in this particular box set, but we know that it's the one that Mary poured over Jesus's feet before the crucifixion. And generally speaking, these ancient oils aren't the most commonly ones that are used today. And again, if you had to choose one um, from this set, because um, this set, you know, it's like $200. So it's, it's a little pricey. Um, but I do love it. But if you had to choose just one, I would definitely go with frankincense. It's just a good all around multitasking holy oil. And I just love how it can make us feel so connected to these biblical times. Um, I hope learning about these oils made you feel more connected to God's provision. Every time I reread the healing oils of the Bible book and be more intentional in using um, this ancient oil set, I just feel more connected and just so cared for. It just reminds me that God has always provided and always does provide. And it just makes me feel grateful and, and just brings me peace. It really does bring me peace when I, when I have these oils around me and I'm just thinking about all of this. I would love to know what you think about these oils or essential oils in general. Um, leave me a message. Do you, have you ever used these before? Do you love oils? How do you use them? Do you use them daily? Um, leave me a message on my website, a review in iTunes, check in with me on social media. Um, because speaking of connections, I always love connecting with you. Um, I'm so grateful that you spent this time with me. I hope that you've had a great week and I hope you have a healthy and blessed one coming up. Talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. 
Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.